Well, it's good to see you, man. It's great to see you, too. I mean, we've been here together for the last <laughs> two days or one day, I guess, at this we, point. We packed a lot of stuff in a uh, 24-hour period. Actually, we less did. than 24-hour period. But yeah. when we just got done with the uh, shooting the course, yeah, which is your adaptive athlete course, if right. I understand correctly. Yeah. So, so, so tell us what that is. Uh, so a few years ago, I was fortunate enough, I think, to get turned on to archery. Um and I, I started shooting trad bow or traditional bow initially. Oh, that's what you did first? Yeah. As you got into archery? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I picked up a Hoyt Buffalo just randomly at some archery shop because I was, I was looking at compound bows. And I was like, I don't, I don't even know oh. what, what the hell is going on here. Right. Like there's so many strings and buttons and lights and shit. And, and then it's like, got to be customized to you yeah. and draw length and all that stuff. So that intimidated me to the point where I was like, I, I just got to get this like, stick with a string. I think I can figure that yeah, out. Yeah. And, uh, so I started shooting and one of my buddies, Baker Levitt, he's friends. Well, he's an associate with, uh, John Dudley. Mm. And then John turned me on to, it's like, you, you should get something that you can actually hit your target with. It might uh, keep you in the game a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. It might, <laughs> yeah. It, might it might provoke your interest a <laughs> right. little bit more. Right. Uh, unless you're like Aaron Snyder. Correct. Yeah. Unless you're really trying to like take your shoes off and mm. do hardcore stocking. Right. It, and that's, that's a, that's a next level type of situation. That's, mm-hmm. that's Aaron's game. Um, but to, to answer your question with compound bows and with shooting the last few years, I've, I've done a ton of pistol and rifle shooting, but the, the archery world was completely new to me. Mm-hmm. And it really helped me in a wide variety of ways because it's, it's an active form of meditation, quiet. Yeah. I can hit a target. It, you got to focus on that thing alone. I guess that's the meditative portion yeah, of it. I think so. I think it's somewhat meditative. Um, and y- you get to, you know, use a projectile and hit a target with it. So it's, it's familiar enough because you're working through the fundamentals of shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I realized I was like, man, I think there's some, I think there's a lot of good we can do within the veteran community in archery, not just because I like it, just mm-hmm. because it helped me and the other guys that I know. I started talking to other vets and they're like, yeah, did the same thing for me. Mm. Did the same thing for me. And John and I started talking. I was like, man, we got to do something for veterans. And then there's a, there's a unique group of veterans that have been wounded in right. combat. Right. But I think they need... Not as if, uh, you know, every veteran needs help because that's not the situation. But a lot of the adaptive guys that have been wounded in combat, they they miss out on some things because, you know, it's fairly intimidating. Like I was intimidated to get a compound bow and start right. learning and get a coach and all this other Being shit. Being around other people that have been doing it for two, you know, two decades. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we did an adaptive athlete shoot last year. With was Total that the Archie first Challenge. one you did yeah. last year? Yeah, it was yeah, the I first saw, one. I was supposed to go out there, but I, I couldn't make it. But yeah, it looked amazing. Yeah, it was so much fun. And um, the the veteran community, especially the the wounded veteran community, uh, they're, they're obviously, there's a, a fairly large or substantial group, like thousands of people that have lost limbs sure, and yeah. eyesight. 
from you know Afghanistan or Iraq or traffic accidents or something like that in the last 20 years. So being able to give that back and mm-hmm. say, hey, this is something I think is pretty cool. Maybe this will help you guys. At the end of the day, I teamed up with PSE and a bunch of these other companies. They donated bows. We had all these cool partners. Mm-hmm. Everybody came together. We did coaching sessions. Took them out on the course. Did a so these guys, course. when they go out, like they haven't ever shot before. Most of them, yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that part of it. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, a lot of guys hadn't shot a bow. So uh, it was Dudley giving them instruction. Other guys are giving them instruction on how to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we brought in some adapt athlete mm-hmm. uh, coaches. Mm-hmm. Dudley, a bunch of other guys like Cole Kramer. He oh, came yeah. down from Alaska. So all these guys were in town for Total Archery Challenge, and it it fit really well into the schedule. So we could do a couple of days of coaching before we went out. Right. And then uh, this year, I asked Sean from from uh, Total Archery Challenge mm-hmm. to come out and build a course out here so we could run adaptive athlete shoots, you know, every month if we wanted Whenever to. Every wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. There's a ton of vets here in San Antonio area too that that they just want to get out, especially with COVID, COVID restrictions, of most of their BS. Get and, active. Get active. And it's amazing to see these guys too. Cause I did a, uh, I did a Spartan, a Gogi. It's a 60 hour endurance event. And I did this like three years ago, roughly. Really? Yeah. And I remember in my head, it was, it, I must've been 30 or 40 hours into this thing. Right. And I was bitching and moaning in my head. No, this is stupid. And I'm, you know, my legs hurt or whatever. And I saw one of these adaptive athletes walk past me <laughs> and I was like, oh man, like here's this guy who's missing both of his limbs. He's right. got, he's got prosthetics, you know, mm-hmm. of course. And he's got, I think if I remember right, he had ca- like the canes that attached yeah. to his arm and he was just hiking and had a little hop in his stuff. And I'm like, what the hell am I complaining about? Like when you see these people and yeah. what they do and then their attitudes about it and how supportive they are of their own community and other people, it really puts things in perspective. Mm-hmm. I, that's one of the things I, I, I last year when I, I, one of my good buddies, Clint trial, he, he lives here. One of the things I was talking to him about specifically, it was like, we have to inspire leadership from the veteran community. We have to, you know, put people out that are obviously, I think psychology is more infectious than COVID. Uh, and I think mm. from just what you said, which is, you know, these guys get up and they, they suck it up every day and they're living with permanent injury. Right. And uh, there's a lot of guys that create excuses to not do something. When you, when you see guys that are not creating excuses, they're living a positive life. They're trying to make positive impact and surround themselves with positive people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that stuff translates and in it, in it, in it, it becomes viral. Right. right? Sure. Yeah. Um, so one of my goals was, and, and, you know, coming back to, uh, two things that uh, truly I utilize in my life, which is one archery, which I love. And then two, uh, the people that inspire, motivate me and push me to try to do at least good for the community, good for the company, you know, keep me kind of focused center mm-hmm. mass on Asmuth is the guys that haven't come back from these wars yeah. and the guys that are living with permanent physical and psychological injuries, I'm lucky, right? I, and I know it. I've got my fingers, my toes, you know, my my kids are healthy. My wife's healthy. Everybody's everybody's good to go. Right. But uh, there are a lot of guys that, you know, they got to roll out of bed into their chair or their legs aren't fitting right. Or, right. or it rubs them, it rubs rubs them the wrong. skin wrong and tears them. And yeah. Yeah. And 
a lot of these guys are the most positive people that I know. Like you call them and they're supercharged. They're like, what the fuck is up, man? What's yeah. going on? You know? Yeah. And, and, uh, for me, if, if I can try to at least add some value to that group of people, those people in any way, shape or form, I don't mm-hmm. care what it is, but just mm-hmm. connect in and pay for some positivity. And when I say that it's, you know, get everybody together, buy the bows, get the 3D targets, arrange the schedule, you know, work right. the logistics, get everybody there. That's super easy. And it's, it's one of the most fulfilling things that I've been able to do in the last several years of the company. You bring people in and, you know, everybody's eating together and right. laughing and sharing Having a stories. Good time. Yeah. Teasing each other. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. So, well, and you said something interesting yesterday. I think it was yesterday. We, we did, we've done a lot, like you said, yeah. but you said something like some, some struggles or something in the business. And then you said, but that's not real. Like those aren't real problems. No. My wife's at home. She's happy and healthy. My kids are, are healthy and they're learning and growing and they're intelligent. And like all of that stuff dialed in and in check. And it seems like we've just, we complain about trivial bullshit that doesn't actually matter. We get so consumed with our own problems and they're not even, they're not even problems. No. Like most of what we deal with is not a problem, but we blow it up. I don't know. I don't know if we blow it up because it it gives us some sort of like purpose or excuse maybe even for not performing the way that we should. And then you start seeing these other people who are excelling in spite of certainly difficult circumstances and it just blows up your excuse for not doing it yourself. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, I think about that a lot because of uh, social media more than anything, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a fictional reality. Mm-hmm. It's not real. You know, the comments, you don't know the people necessarily. Sometimes or they might not maybe, even be people. Right. They're not people. <laughs> like bots. Or they're bots. Yeah. Or some 16 year old from Honduras, like who gives a shit. Right. Uh, but the tangible aspects of life for me at least, and I try, and I have to remind myself because that's just white noise. And at the end of the day, you you have to chop that shit out and then focus on the things that are real. Like I know when I step into the company in the morning and I, you know, high five my employees and talk about what we're going to do, you know, today, this week, this month, uh, you know, when we're handing out bonuses or you're doing a new roast or connecting in with the team, that's, that's real. That's tangible. Right. You can't take it with you which is fine. You can't take shit with you other than obviously your legacy. What and you experienced, what, what you learned. Sure. Yeah. But I have to, I have to constantly uh, chop out the white noise, focus on what's real. You know, they're, they're not real problems. Mm-hmm. Right. And for whatever reason, your brain wants to activate some of that crap and then focus on because it's easy to focus on negative it's really hard yeah to push yourself into the positive and maintain the positive like i have to be a positive influence on my family like there is no deviation from that Mm -hmm. like there is no left or right i can't be the guy that's on my phone every night i can't be the guy that comes home and is an asshole to my kids and my wife because i got some stress going on at right yeah and it's not stress like nobody's shooting RPGs at me. Mm-hmm. Nobody's rattling off a PKM. Or yeah, you a said you AK. had an RPG that went through the grill of your Humvee that you know, or truck Car, or whatever yeah, it was, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and didn't explode. Fortunately, yeah. obviously, very fortunate. Um, yeah, that's that's, that's a, a real intense. problem, right? That's that's pretty <laughs> yeah. intense. Versus somebody who says, "I don't like black <laughs> rifle." <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. So it and at the end of the day, 
uh, I don't know that guy or whomever, right? I don't know those people and they, they're probably not going to be a customer either way. Well, you don't know their motive either. No. Like, like, so we're friends. So if I came to you and I said, Hey, Evan, I see something. And I thought I would just point it out. Like that comes with more weight because you know that I care about you and what you want to accomplish. Right. But if I came to you and I was just some random dude off the street and I'm like, Hey, here's a problem. It's like, who the hell are you? Like, yeah. what? Like, I, you don't have my best interest at heart or maybe you do, but I don't know that. Well, nobody, like, like you said, when you identify those real friends or those people in your life that will, will give you candid feedback as to what you're doing. Yeah. You know, I always have the, the, the legacy of, of mentors and men that have been a positive influence in my life mm-hmm. that were positive leaders that were good leaders, that were good managers, good men, whether that was my, you know, grandfather or my, you know, my great grandfather or the guys that I served with. Mm-hmm. It's the people that are looking over my shoulder that are going, would they be okay with this? Mm-hmm. And like, do you think about that when you're making decisions? Do you think oh, like, yeah. what would my, what would my grandfather think or what, how would he handle this oh, situation? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. I think just because somebody is dead, they can't, the, people think they can't be an influence in your life. Right. And that's, you know, that's just not true. I mean, you know, for years after my grandmother died, when I was in my, you know, uh, like nine, 10 or 11 years old, I, I thought for sure she was looking down at me and mm. prevented me from masturbating all those years, you know, like, I was like I'm not going to do this. <laughs> Grandma's watching. <laughs> <laughs> that would do it. Yeah. I would definitely do it. <laughs> but no, I, I think one of the things that we do is we put a finite cap on people's influence in our lives. And I think you have to, and I, not to get too existential in some way, but those people would have, you know, especially the people I served with, they would have died for not if they would not have pushed me to be a better man today. Right. Yeah, true. And they're there. They, they're there every day. And, mm. and, you know, I've said it before on multiple podcasts, but Iraq is with me. It's with me every day of my life. It's never going away. And, you know, the, the four and a half years that I have in that country, that was very, very formative in my years, especially sure. my 20 and 30s. Yeah, when right? young, yeah. And I can live and dwell on the negative of how that country impacted my life. Or I can take that experience and I can put it through basically a processor mm-hmm. and then use that to, to get me up in the morning and kick me in the ass and say, if, if I don't create positivity, something positive, if I don't create, you know, jobs or, you know, a high quality product, which is typically, it is at the forefront, but it's just kind of an implied thing. It's like, what do we do? to create a positive impact, positive ecosystem. Mm-hmm. If I don't do that, the, the interface and the connection that I had with those men, it dies with them. Right. So they have to live and ultimately they're living through me and every day, every day they're living through me. Every That's day. a good point. It, it, it almost, it's, it seems like to me, and I've, I've had these experiences too, where it's like, you do them a disservice mm-hmm. if you don't show up the way that, you know, occasionally I'll have a young man ask, you know, he'll have uh, his father die. For example, it's a young man. And he'll say, you know, how do I, how do I go on? I'm, you know, my dad's dead and we were super close and I don't know what to do. And, and I, and I, and I don't want to dismiss the pain that of course 
an emotional trauma that comes with that. But at the same time, the answer is live the life that he would have been proud of you Mm -hmm. for living. That's, that's the path. That is the path forward. Make him proud of you. Right. And I think a lot of guys get hung up and thinking that, like you said, death is just finite. It's the end point. And what's done is done. No, like you can use that for fuel. But the question is, what separates you somebody who takes those experiences, which are painful and difficult circumstances where you've lost brothers and turn it into a positive, run it through that process, like you said, or somebody who decides to self-implode because of it? Because we both know people who are like that. Yeah, I honestly think that a lot of it has to do with... um... One, what type of an experience was it, right? So, mm. you know, trauma is different to every individual. Right. It's subjective. Uh, yes. Sure. And then uh, substance abuse is typically a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think substance abuse on top of trauma, it, it really starts to create a, a, a hostile environment for the individual, right? The mm. person that's living in that. Yeah. And then those are, those are compounding elements. So I have to be... I have to be really straight with myself, right? And uh, which sounds kind of trite when you think about it, but it's the truth. I have to have really, really hard conversations with myself. I don't drink. Typically, when I say that, like I haven't had a, a, a drink in like a year, except for maybe one glass of wine with mm-hmm. Andy Stump, you know, because I know that based on the stress in my life and my past, that could be a weakness that mm. could compound itself and do something that is ultimately a dead end. So those are boundaries that you put Correct. in place and said, look, if I go down this path, I don't know where that path leads and I know I'm not interested in going down that path. Exactly. It, it. It's actually very, it works very much like that with negativity too. Mm. So you start buying into negativity in your life and be, if you make that acceptable behavior, it becomes a normal, right? The right. new normal sure. kind of buzzword. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I can be an asshole, but typically that's because I'm a coach, right? I'm a coach. Like I I have to sit here and fucking put people on the field and tell them what they're doing wrong and be super candid Mm -hmm. and drive the train. And that doesn't come off in flowery prose sometimes. That's like, get up, get your ass to work. I don't care what your problems are. Like, suck it up. Let's go. How do you check that though? Because, you know, some people are... We were talking about it actually Mm -hmm. earlier this morning. Like, the way that you talk with some people versus others, you know, military service Mm -hmm. versus somebody who doesn't. So, like, how do you check that maybe natural tendency or even something that you learned through your military service to... That's how we talk to each other. Right. And so, you get with another veteran... It's no problem. It's no problem. You get with somebody else who's never had a grown man in their face or never heard any sort of dark humor or anything <laughs> right? like that. And they're like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? So how do you check that, you gotta, that attitude if, if needs be? You got to take the temperature, I think, you know, and you got you to gotta build people into it. I, I really do think you have to build people into it. You can't just come at, uh, typically, right? You can't just come at people that haven't had the same life experiences and maybe they haven't been in the military, whatever right. it might be, you can't come at them in a way that's going to be so foreign yeah. that they're, it's going to put them on their heels. But I think a lot of people do that. You know, it's funny. I hear a lot these days of like, and you've heard it too, like the zero F's mentality, you know, like this is just the way I am. And if, if they yeah. can't deal with it, then that's their problem, not mine. I'm like, how are you going to lead somebody with that, that attitude? That's not real. That's not a real thing. Right. That's, that's for people that have no ability to grow individually or evolve. Mm. Right. That's yeah. like, fuck the world. I'm great. Right. 
very ego driven. Sure. I, I don't think that leads people down a successful path whatsoever. None of the people that I uh, truly respect can't modify their communication or at least modify their behavior so they can, they can get the, the team to a place where it needs to be. Right. I think when you're running a business or if you're, you know, the head of the household or whatever that might be, mm-hmm. it's a team sport. Right. I mean, you, one, you got to show up and you got to put in the work, right? Like that's, that's part of the thing is showing up, being present, putting in the work. You know, for me, a lot of it is focused on positivity and positive psychology and positive reinforcement, but it's also coupled with, you have to create boundaries and you have to enforce them as well. And you, you have different forms of communication with different people sure. that you can apply uh, you know, a, a good example I've used in the past is, you know, kind of falling back on on combat experience where I can convey a point when we're not in a gunfight to somebody and say, hey, I need you to go over there and stand at that window mm-hmm. and somebody will do it. Right. Somebody's shooting at you and they're locked up and they're frozen. You might have to grab them by the back of the uniform and apply them into that situation physically. Yeah, sure. That is a totally different form of communication Nonetheless, it's the same, but it's applied in different circumstances. You're, you're producing the same outcome, the same right. result. I need you to be there doing this thing. I need you to be there. And sometimes you have to use several different modes of communication. Uh, there are times when I'll say things, and Jared's probably heard this a million times too. I'll say things, this, this the same thing three different ways, three different times. Mm. Because in order to convey a point, you, you have to, one, you have to think about it. You might have to put it out in the written format. You might have to put it out in the, you know, the, the physical space format. You might have to put it out multiple different ways. Come at it from different angles. Yeah. Yeah. And then once you've exhausted all of those and you still can't get through, you have to ask yourself, is it me? Mm Mm-hmm you do still have to ask that question is, am I the problem with this communication? And that is not a zero fucks type mentality. That's right. <laughs> right. Cause you're shit. caring about how you show up. You got to show up. And I heard one of my friends, he's been on the podcast. His name is Brett Bartholomew. He says, says something, I'm going to butcher it. He says, you know, you can get, you can get compliance that way, but you can't get commitment. Right. And, and what we want, whether you're a father or a business owner or a leader at your, you know, church congregation is you don't want compliance. No. I mean, in some cases, if you're in the firefight, I just need you to comply and do this right now. But also that soldier who you grab by the back of the the neck and put in that thing, there's also a level of trust there because you've trained together. He understands you've gotten to know him. And so you have that commitment, which is significantly deeper than just some level of compliance from people. Yeah. And it's, it's a difference between a dictator and a leader, right? There's a, mm. there's a big difference between those two things. And, and, you know, if that's your style, which I know a lot of guys that run businesses and that's their style, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're dictators. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I know a lot of guys that run their families like that. Typically they're not my friends, but I know guys that kind of run their families like that as well. And that's a big difference between a guy that is uh, connecting emotionally with his family, his community, his business, whatever right. that might be, uh, applying empathy and different modes of communication in order to truly lead. And 
leadership looks different to a wide variety of people. I mean, it's you're going to get through to different people different ways. Like <clears throat> Dave over there, I yell at him all the time. And but that's the way we communicate. He's told me he he appreciates it and he appreciates that form of communication. And I've Should tried to fire him? him at least Where's 20 he times. He's not yeah. in his head. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. he likes it. I was just yeah. making sure. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of guys out there, I mean, in the company that are mill guys and you got to light them up. Yeah. Like sometimes you just got to light them up and it's like that. Oh shit. I'm, I'm awake now. Right. I'm listening. Right. Okay. And then there are people that they just don't need that. They don't need that type of yeah. connection or communication. You have to be able to adjust your, your comms. As a former comms guy, I guess you got to be able to fucking figure it out. Yeah, it's like the frequency almost, right? Okay, I have to change frequencies for this particular individual. Because look, a lot of people say, well, he just doesn't get it. Right. Well, if you're trying to communicate a message, it's your responsibility to ensure that he gets it, <laughs> not his responsibility to ensure it's received. Like you're yeah. sending it. That's your responsibility. Yeah, if you're a teacher and you have 20 students and 50% of the class fails, whose fault is exactly. it? Exactly, right. It's definitely not the students, right. it's, yours, it's yours, right? And my daughters that are seven and three... I can't use the same style of communication with them as I do my employees. Like or even that, each other. They're, no. they're so different too, their personalities and everything. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things I think you, you constantly have to adjust and evolve and ask yourself, and I'm not best at it. I, I do it. Mm -hmm. I definitely am by far, am I saying I'm the, be I'm the best at it. I'm not trying to, you know, break my arm to pat myself on the back because there are times when I'm, I'm too fired up at times. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, I know I have the problem of like, okay, my wife will even tell me, she's like, are you talking to me, your wife or your guys right now? <laughs> right. And I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I got to adjust. Yeah. Yeah. My, for sure. My wife and I were doing this project in the house and I was like, I came in one day and I was like, this is what we're going to do. You know, X, Y, Z, <laughs> yeah. like make these phone calls. And my wife's like, what? Yeah. Come again. <laughs> you might want to go back out and find yourself back into the company. That's, right. that's the way that you communicate over there. That's not the way you're going to get shit done here. Yeah, Cause right, I'll man. just be, you know, passive resistance type circumstance. And too, you don't run this show. Like, this is, this is my, this is my show here. And I'm like, oh, okay, fair. You got yeah, it. Yeah, you, okay. you got it. Let's, you let's you fix got this. it. Yeah. Well, I think the other problem with that, that dictatorship you were talking about is even if you do get some level of compliance, let's say, it, let's say a business owner runs it like a dictatorship, he always has to be there. Yeah. Because if anything goes wrong, there's any sort of little wrench in the system or whatever, he hasn't given his people authority to be creative, to solve problems, to deal with it if I'm not around. Right. Because he has to have his nose and his hand in every little thing. I don't want to live like I got, I want to leave like I am now. I'm gone for a week. Right. I want to leave for a week and know that the iron council, which is our brotherhood, I want to know that I can be gone for a week and shit's not going to break down. Like I've got people in place that are going to hold meetings. And if problems come up, we've got the chain of command in place. Right. That's infinitely more rewarding for me because I can go do stuff like this. Yeah, I can, you can go and I mean, that's one of the things that I love about having a business too. You can, you can, dip out for a weekend and take your kids to do something cool. Right. And yeah, you're connected, but you know, it's one of those things between the, if we're, you know, kind of staying on a military theme at times, it's, it's the difference between developing a chain of command and in a coherent uh, system of responsibilities and communication 
that ultimately when we looked at like World War II and the difference between the Russian army, the, you know, the the German army or the Nazis and the Americans, we we communicated and we also had a very definitive chain of command. People mm-hmm. could make decisions at a lower level. They didn't have to keep leveling it up right. and up and that up. That decentralized up. command yeah. concept, sure. Yeah. And uh, I think you have to, you know, train, right? You have to train the trainer. You have to make put people into tough situations. I think you have to give them the skills and ultimately the opportunity to succeed or fail. And depending on the situation, you know, you can't eat their lunch on failure either because then they're going to be afraid to fail. Right. They won't step up. They won't step up. So you have to keep creating those situations, I think, in your life for the people around you. And when I say that, um, you know, any person that's managing and leading across the board, they have places where they can apply situations to to train people mm-hmm. and not like I think there's there's this bad connection between being subservient and more of like a master like the dog like a dog trainer or something sure. like that no yeah. that's not, that's not what I'm referring to well when in the in the military, I think guys are really they're they're really connected to training and development. They understand it. They're always going to training. They're always developing. So we have this, we have a way closer connection with being able to be trained even by our peers. We don't have a negative connotation with this. And we're like, it isn't like, so you're not being subservient to somebody else. Like you're saying, just like hip pocket training, like you and your team are going out and doing hip pocket training. Like somebody has to kind of, organize the effort and execute on it. Right. But, and then you come back and review it and yeah. fix it and whatever yeah. else you need to do. Yeah. So applying the opportunity to train in, in a wide variety of circumstances and then get people to understand, I think when I, when I say that, whether it's your family or your business, you have to look for those opportunities to, to train. Right. Like you got to look for those opportunities to train. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I hear people will say, and I think they have this completely backwards. They'll say things like, you know, I, I you know, I don't want, the, I don't want them to feel bad about their performance. And they right. and they say, and they act as if they're so worried about the other person. But I honestly believe in most cases that the reason people don't do this, they don't have the hard conversations. They don't allow their children to lead and then potentially fail or their teammates to fail is not to salvage that person, right? but to save themselves. Yeah. Like, have you ever been- That's what at, it is. Yeah. I mean, have you ever been at like a, um, like a speech or, or a comedy routine and the guy's just like flopping mm-hmm. and you feel embarrassed for that individual yeah. and it makes you uncomfortable? That's why people don't mm-hmm. let other people, because it's not for the other person. It's like, I don't want to feel embarrassed or, and they're trying to salvage themselves. It's very selfish. Super selfish. It's- it's difficult, right? It, it is difficult yeah. to be that that person, mm-hmm. um, or to play the you know the I don't want to be the bad guy, you know. You know that's the unfortunate thing is you're you're going to have to be the bad guy in somebody's eyes when you're taking responsibility for your actions, you're making decisions, you're leading and managing. You're going to have to be the bad guy. That's just now you don't have to be the bad guy all the time, but right. there are direct circumstances where people are not going to agree with your decision. And that will create conflict. And then you have to be able to navigate through the conflict. um, And you can't shy away from that, right? It's, uh, you know, it's, it's so interesting. I think when I, when I think about conflict management, leadership, and these, these are, these are really interesting things that we could unpack probably for hours. Sure. Yeah. Um, But conflict is, is something that people are so afraid of. 
And there is something, and I'm sure that there's plenty of, of uh, consultants out there that probably get get to build millions of dollars a year on like conflict management, right. positive communication. It's like, or you can just suck it up. And I do this a lot where I just bring people in. I'm like, Hey, what's your problem? Mm. What's your problem? What do you mean? I'm like, come on, come dude. on. We know. Come on. What's yeah. your problem? What's going on? Like, what's the issue? And, they're, and then they'll like dick dance around a little bit yeah. and they're tap dancing. You're like, come on out with it. Let's go. Like just dig it out of them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many times I've had to dig stuff out of people. And then it's like, well, everybody else got this in the office and you know, I didn't get it. And then you're like, yeah, because you failed the last two quarters in a row. And you know, I didn't feel it was acceptable for you to do that. I'm, I apologize. I didn't communicate that clearly, but I felt I did. And they're like, well, no, you did, but I just I don't like feel it. Bad. I still feel bad. Right. I'm like, mm, okay. You know? Yeah. Well, suck it up, buttercup. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Well, the cool thing about doing it that way is it's hard, especially if you've never done it. Like we have a lot of guys who listen to the podcast that are, they're more passive in nature. They're the, mm. you know, the proverbial, you know, quote unquote, nice guy. Yeah. And so they don't even know how to have like a semi-confrontational conversation with somebody. But the interesting thing about it is if you do it right and you actually have a real conversation with your child or your wife or your employee or whoever it is, your business partner, whoever it is, yeah, it gets easier the next time. Yeah. Cause the next time you're like, Oh, okay, well that was uncomfortable, but it wasn't the end of the world and actually things improve. And so every time you do it, it gets easier. If you don't do it that way, everything else gets harder as you progress because there's this weird expectation or like, we don't, you know, we don't talk about don't that talk stuff. About that. Mm, yeah. And then it just gets buried and nothing ever gets resolved or worked through. When that happens, it's so interesting to me because it, like what you just explained is all forms of communication across the board because there are times when you're digging out the problems, right? Mm-hmm. You got to dig them out. And then there are times when you're like, I don't know what the problem is and I can't quite address mm-hmm. what the issue is until I go to work trying to figure out what how to even address and what yeah. I'm dealing with. And is it a you know, is it a personality conflict within a couple of different people? Is it something that I might be doing? Is it something like personally that's going on in their lives? Is it, you know, so it's so interesting how you have to kind of plug all those things in and, and, and having productive arguments mm-hmm. in, to your point, people don't want to do that. Right. I think I was telling you, well, yeah, yesterday I was telling you, I used to, I used to terminate people because I had managers that didn't want to do it. Right. So I was like, yeah, I just send them my office. It's not a big deal. Like I'm just, Hey, today's your last day. Here's, you know, here's yeah. a, and you here's were, a sucker. You were, yeah. <laughs> and you, you could do that, right? Like yeah. you, you were comfortable doing that because you've, you've done that and you've, you've come to terms with that. Yeah. It, and it's not easy, obviously, but yeah, I mean, you don't take joy. I mean, maybe for some, maybe, maybe if you had to let somebody go, you might take joy, but for the most part, you don't take joy in it. No, not at all. And you don't have to do it very often. And most of the time, the conversations you have to have are months before that, that are the difficult ones that are saying, this is the expectation. Mm. You're failing to meet minimum expectation. This is how we're going to get you to this point. And then if you don't, this is your final warning. Right. Right. So you can make those conversations easier by kind of laying in your performance improvement plan, sure. your performance improvement plan for yourself. Because I found myself in this situation a lot where I'm the person that's not communicating the right intent or commander's intent 
And then I'm just kind of moving around in my life, just assuming people know, people know what the what hell I'm talking about. Yeah, and they're about. all confused and everything and else. Like, I, don't know and... what the, I don't know what the hell he's doing. I, what? I, and then, then you have to come back to yourself and mm-hmm. have the same conversation you would have with somebody else. Put yourself on a performance improvement plan. Schedule your meetings. Put your topics out earlier. Figure out how I'm going to do this. And, and it's... And it's and it and it keeps going, right? Like it never stops, never ends. It never ends. It's not as if you're going to reach a point where it's called communication nirvana, and you're just like the the best. At I'm it. A, I'm I'm here. I'm really good. Here I'm I the am. best. Here I am. I'm the best at communicating. You know, it's like oh shit, I made it. You know. <laughs> yeah. So when you started Black Rifle, you started in 2015, right? Yeah, yeah. January 2015. To can to include. There's coffee over there. There's some. Uh, Good from another. I just got these handsome green berets cruising around here, just like regular green berets, ready to like pour coffee. Yeah, pour coffee for you. Thanks, man. That's nice. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's super nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as we're talking about working with people, communicating, having difficult conversations, I mean, this isn't real. Maybe it is. This is something that you really thought you'd be doing. You know, five years, six years later now. Uh, yes and no. You know, I always knew it was going to be some type of variant. Mm-hmm. Um, this is way more complex and way more fun mm-hmm. than I thought it would be. It is now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's because it's a complex problem solve. It's, it's complex problem solving. It's split decision making. It's strategic thinking. It's all of these great things. And so it's almost like I'm a kid in a candy store every day because... I get to solve problems. Right. That's what I do. And right. I'm kind of the master editor. And I I can always find energy to do this stuff because it's tr- so interesting mm-hmm. across the board that I don't have to motivate. I, there's, there's, there's zero kind of me getting out of bed, giving myself a pep talk. Right. It's like, like, I got to do this. Yeah. yeah. I'm like rolling out of bed in the morning going, hell yeah. This I get another get day of black do. rifle. This is awesome. Yeah. Like this is, uh, this is going to be great. So are there days though, that you have felt like that in the past where you're like, that maybe you've created a circumstance or a situation where you're like, oh, what the hell? Like, oh, yeah. this is what I created for myself and I don't want to do this and have had to pivot. Yeah. I, you know, a couple months ago that we went through kind of a PR issue yeah, and it's just sure. kind of beat up from, you know, the left and the right and kind of the fringe elements of, of, uh, both the internet. And it's not as if I was like, in a in a low point, I would mm-hmm. say it was just like, we're used to winning, right? right? So we're used to winning and, you know, being positive and injecting positivity. And then, yeah. and then when you have, you know, an active misinformation campaigns that are kind of running in tandem from both like sides of the internet yeah, from everywhere. Uh, and then it's just, you know, when you're trying to kind of push back against a false narrative, it's, it becomes interesting because people start to think, or there's a section, right? This is your business and this is who you are. And this is what they've reduced your, 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 your work, the encyclopedia of your work down to yeah. like a moment in right. time. This one thing that was said or happened or whatever. Yeah. Right. Sure. And, you know, I, I did. And I think the questions that I had for myself and my business was, wasn't necessarily about my intent. I don't question that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I question whether or not I even 
want to, some of my customers to be to be drinking my product or mm. or or wearing my gear. Why? What be- makes you say that? Uh, because I think there's there's there was a section of the brand that might have been hijacked by different. I mean, I, I saw. Um, Blackbeard Delight, which is my my coffee rose from mm-hmm. Blackbeard. I saw that patch being worn by both guys on the mm. Antifa side and both on the the alt right side. Right, and I'm like, hey man, I, I wore that. that in service of my country. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't wear it out on the fucking streets, you know, trying to drag people into fistfights. Yeah, and you know, I did. I definitely standing did. up for these weird, you know, fringe ideas that no. aren't helpful to anybody. When it makes me sick too, because uh, there there are elements where, if people, for instance, right, if people are wearing a piece of clothing of mine, and they're yelling uh, "traitor" to mm. like the law enforcement community or the people that serve our country, yeah, uh, I, I'm not on board with that. Just plain and simply, like. You have mis you have misinterpreted or grossly misinterpreted what what, what my do. brand is, and who who is who who is it that we're trying to serve? Like I carried a rifle for a living in a professional capacity for my 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 adult life, mm-hmm. and the country as a whole, just the United States. I I, I love the country, and I'm. I'm galvanized. I'm galvanized and and bonded to the people that serve their communities and mm-hmm. love their communities. We were having that conversation right. yesterday. It makes me sick to my stomach to hear anti law enforcement rhetoric because I have so many friends that are serving in that capacity after they've already served in the military, and I know these guys. Mm-hmm. And so they're on the streets and they're taking it from both, you know, fringe elements on the left, fringe yeah. elements on the right. They're caught in the crossfire. And I, yeah. It it saddens me because I think that the country's better than that. Um how do you um how do you deal with that though? So you know you have you have these people who let's let's just call it a misrepresentation of of your brand and your values. I mean, it's like it's not like you can say don't, I don't want that person wearing that, you know, like, or you, how do you qualify? It's like, how do you, how do you work that so that you maintain the integrity of your brand based on what it is you guys are trying to accomplish? Not being hijacked. By no, you, you have to just communicate the brand more effectively. Mm-hmm. And I think we have great brand partners. We have great people that we do content marketing with. And yeah, they're, most of those people are friends. And most of those people represent the brand really well. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, you, and those people you can select. Sure. Right. Like you, you can vet those individuals, mm-hmm. their friends, you know them, you know who, yeah. what they're all about. And then there's just other people like we're talking, you just can't vet them. You can't vet them. And there's always going to be, you know, 340 million people in the United States. There's a, there's a section of the, of the country, whether they're Democrat or Republican or independent or, you know, uh, they identify as a sloth. They're they're going to be crazy, right? right. There's going to be right. some some guys that are just or people that are crazy, and you can't worry about that. At the end of the day, it's not as if we're asking people for affiliation before they buy a, a hat or a shirt, right? Of course. But what you can do is you can get, you know, you can get out and you know talk and communicate and build relationships and build content and media around what you do believe in. Yeah. Well, I like that you guys are doing that because 
I think there's a lot of organizations in conventional wisdom. It doesn't seem so much anymore, but conventional wisdom, especially in the business world, says, you know, don't take a side. Don't talk about these things. Just right. sell your... Pr- and you guys have actually done the exact opposite. We've, we've done that too. Yeah. It's like, no, we're actually going to talk about real issues that are important that we believe that we know aren't always going to be the most popular discussions that are going to be had. And it goes against conventional wisdom, but I, would just, I actually wish more people would get behind what they actually believe as opposed to like, oh, I don't, I don't want to go there. I don't want to touch that. Like, talk about it. Like, these yeah. are the real things we ought to be talking about. Well, and the other thing is, is people mis, misinterpret, you know, my political views for the company's political views all the time. I'm like, there's yeah, 400 true. plus people in this company. Right. And, you know, whether I, whether we're having, we, and we have complex, whether they're political or social discussions yeah. in the hallways and in the offices of our company every day. Uh, I like that. I, I like to hear varying opinions. It would be super weird for me to have a company where we were just a bunch of, you know, bearded white guys watching or walking lockstep in the same ideology. That would be one, it would be super weird. Two, it would be very boring. Like, and I think there's a lot of companies that are like that where it's like, no, we all, and, and even if there's some sort of, you know, rogue employee, they won't communicate their thoughts because they could actually get fired. Yeah. Right, they could actually lose their job, or not just their job, but their career could be completely wiped out just because they happen to believe the the wrong thing politically, or you know, say something that maybe wasn't intended the way that it quite came across, and it was a mistake. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, and I think there's a that's what I think. Like a lot of people maybe thought the company was before it was just you know uh, maybe they just thought that's what it was, and yeah. I was like, and I and I was truly there was a section of uh the customers that were emailing at times where it's like man i'm embarrassed of some of these people Mm. you know because they were saying you know derogatory or racist things i was like whoa (laughs) you know one that's not the company that we built yeah that's not what i believe nor it says we the people right right there in this fabulous document that everybody can read and and everybody should read yeah everybody should read you know uh and you know the the gross misinterpretation of this is 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 interesting because it's always based on the quality of work and what you're bringing to the table. It has nothing to do with uh, you know your genitalia or your race, right? It, it's right. just like, hey, we're, we're all in this together. We're going to work through this problem and may the best person ultimately rise to the occasion. I think most people believe that it has nothing to do with your sex. Has nothing to do with the color of your skin. Most, and I I think most people, the overwhelming majority. Sure. People believe that, but then I think there's these actors over here who are like, let's bring this into the equation. And it's like, it's, and they start riling or like shaking the hornet's nest. Sure. It's like, it's never been about that. And the only reason it's about that now is because you're deliberately trying to make it about that. And it's right. nothing to do with race or sex or misogyny or whatever other term, homophobia, transphobia, <laughs> whatever it's, phobia this week. It has nothing created. to do with that at all, but yeah. you're trying to rile people up for, either for their attention mm-hmm. or for entertainment yeah. or for their money. Cause if yep. you get them riled up then they'll, you know, band with you, hopefully it's like, it's so infuriating. It's like, we've never had this problem, but people are making it a problem. And we talked about it earlier because they're making dumb shit, the problem because they don't have anything like grander to worry about. Yeah. And it's, it's weird to see 
how this is happening, right? This is, this is a national conversation. It's evolving all the time. So, you know, whether you're hearing it from the left or the right in some circumstances, uh, it happens where mm. people are amplifying pieces of information and they're spinning each other. They're gaslighting. Yeah. And it's interesting because this plays directly into our real strategic enemies. They, they really benefit from this. So they benefit from the direct manipulation of information, the gaslighting on both the left and the right, the massive misinformation campaigns across the board. And there are a few things where you're like, well, that's, you know, that's just, crazy, right. you know, like defund the police. That, that, that's just a crazy idea. I don't even know where they came up with this. It's, it's, it's crazy. There's people that like legitimately <laughs> right. believe it though. And, yeah. and, and you talk, I've had conversations on social media with people who are self self-described socialists. I'm like, yeah, what is wrong with you? You, you know, like, have you, do you even know what you're saying? Have you studied it? Have you looked? And the answer of course is no, no. And and then those move off into their echo chambers. And obviously we're so involved in some of this because of people being kicked off of social platforms yeah, and sure. like deplatforming or parlor being shut down, all these different things that are going on. But ultimately they don't have World War II. They don't have a Great Depression. You know, the the, the global war on terror is basically just white noise now, mm-hmm. right? Which I'm not reducing it. I mean, I was an active participant in the global right. war on terror, but you never hear anything on the news about it. Uh, you don't hear about the guys that are in direct conflict every day overseas. Mm-hmm. It's just white noise and it's constantly playing in the background, right? It's just the music that's playing in the American background. And then you amplify these arbitrary, somewhat ridiculous issues and make them these hills that, yeah. you know, the, the, the Twitter mobs are going to die on, you know, I, I guess, I mean, if that's, if that's an issue, but really like we have really big yeah, societal big problems and international issues that we could focus on, you know, like this stupid debate that people are constantly having where, you know, the gender debate, right. It's right. constantly going on in the background. It's like, there is no difference between male or female or whatever. I'm like, okay, if you want to participate in that debate and go down the rabbit hole and, you know, unpack all that and maybe take multiple, you know, courses on, you know, human evolution and gender and, and gender theory and all that. Like yeah. that sounds crazy to me. One, like that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a way we already we, know the answers. To- <laughs> we got it. <laughs> like, that's already well established. We, we got it. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying that I know everything about this. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I've been a participant as a human for a long period of time. And it's pretty easy to differentiate between male and female and then the in-betweens, of right? Sure, sure. It's pretty easy. And I'm not discriminating against anybody in that circumstance. I'm just not going to go down the rabbit hole with mm-hmm. this and try to be drug into a national conversation, which ultimately I'm like, is it going to pay a positive return or should I spend my time focused on a subculture and a group of veterans and, you know, my subculture and my veterans to increase the positivity in their lives? Because I know a lot about the subculture. I know a lot about the people. I know where I can have a positive impact. If I just don't want to participate in this conversation, go, Hey, yeah, male, female, and the other 
by all means. Whatever. Can yeah. we do the three? And then can you just be cool with me just saying like, that's the three? Right. You know what I mean? Like, no. No. No, <laughs> no, no we cannot can't. be cool with that. You can't be cool with that. Yeah, but you know, I, there's also, I think, a balance between being involved. In, and I actually, the way you said it was actually interesting because it was said really well about, I'm going to focus on this. And then it leads me to believe that there's other people who want to focus on this and people who want to focus on these other things. And so collectively, we're all focusing on issues. But I also think there's a tendency, and I know I fall into this, it's not a trap, but it's my personality where I, I, I say, just leave me out of it. I'm going to go over here and focus on my guys and my family, and I'm going to work in my little community. And, you know, right. this is my bubble, right? But then that also opens up threats that do actually need sure. to be addressed. And so it's the answer isn't to completely isolate yourself or to completely immerse yourself in the chaos. It's like, where, where's the balance between being informed and helping on a, a community or city or state or national level, and then being involved with your community, like you said? Well, and we only have so much time here, mm -hmm. right? We only, we only have so much time, so much physical capability and intellectual capacity. We can't know everything. Sure. Like it's completely impossible. And I think what's happened with people's access to the internet and Google is that one person's one person's you know hill they want to die on or their issue that becomes something important to them mm -hmm. and that group of people and their expectation is is that everybody else everybody is going to know it should be just as important to everybody it should be just as important to everybody else and then when you tell people to go like pound sand mm -hmm. like that's not my issue i don't care about it then it's like oh you don't care about these issues and it's like no man it's insensitive I, and it's yeah. a, a microaggression and, <laughs> yeah it's right yeah no, no we're not saying anything no, about that we just that. don't, care, just about don't care about it <laughs> i just want to like live my life right. and like do the good that i can do and i'm only so smart and only so physically capable so yeah. i can't solve all the world's problems nor can i know everything about everything so can we just kind of like agree that there's an expectation that people are just going to be dumb about some shit. No, but I don't, I mean, you, you said that, you say that and you said it before. I, I on it, like, can we just agree that there's just the three and can we just agree? That, <laughs> and the answer is no, no, you can't because yeah. there's a bunch of guys like us who are like, yeah, I just actually want to be left alone. Just leave me alone. Let, let's follow the, the law of the land. Let's, let's adhere to the constitution. And then let's let have some experiences, put some money in the bank account you know, have some mean, meaningful relationships and like, that's it. But that's then there's it. other people who are like, no, I actually don't want you to have that. <laughs> exactly. Because I don't have yeah, it and you have it. it. And yeah. so you must've taken it from me. <laughs> yeah. And so now you're my enemy. So yeah. we say, can't you just leave it alone? And there's other people who are like, no, no, I'm not going to leave it alone. Unfortunately, you're right. You're exactly right. There's millions of people that have decided and this is the thing that always breaks my brain when I start really unpacking it and trying to figure it out. And I don't understand why there's a group of people in the United States that are trying so hard to control another group of people. Mm -hmm. They want, and I'm saying either side, whoever it is, right? It's, an, it's a political party affiliation and they're trying to enforce and take away liberty from some section right. of some other section of the country, right. right? And my answer is, can we just, if we, we, if we could all just agree that we want to be free, mm -hmm. because that's the premise of a lot of these different arguments is this is right or this is wrong. And it's like, well, how about we just don't have the government weigh in on some of this? That's exactly right. 
I even think that with like gay marriage, people, what, do you, what about gay marriage? I'm like, look, I, I'm straight. I like women. Sure. My wife and I have been married for almost 17 years now. I believe in traditional marriage and the nuclear family. Well, we don't believe in that. Cool. cool. Then go do your thing. Go do your thing. The government doesn't need to be involved in that. Right. Like if you love a dude, then cool. Go do that. That doesn't impact me. Doesn't impact me. As long as it's not kids or animals that I care about. Like, I don't care what, what you do with your genitalia at the end of the day. Like I really don't. And that's been this national conversation from, you know, conservatives and liberals alike, where it's like, we want this mm-hmm. and we want to force you, you know, for instance, in the circumstances of it has to be illegal. Mm-hmm. Like why, why do we care if the government's involved in this whatsoever, yes. we should actually, we should be actively looking for, from my perspective, we should always be at, actively looking for things that we can take off the government's plate. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you guys don't want to be involved in this. Let's go ahead and just take that back. Yeah, let's not I, do that. Let's not do that. And instead of both parties complaining about, and I, and I always use marijuana as the, uh, the example, because it's a liberal issue, right? And then conservatives push back against it. And... Uh, and I kind of land in the bucket of it's about freedom for me. Right. And if you want to, you know, smoke marijuana, I don't think the federal government should be, and my tax dollars should be going to pay or subsidize people being incarcerated for mm-hmm. it. I just don't think that's a, an appropriate expense for my taxpayer. Dollars. I, agree. I agree with that. I just don't think it's appropriate. So, you know, when we go to the, the liberal side of the conversation, they're like, it should be legal, it should be legal, it should be legal. I'm like, yeah, sure, I agree. Sure, yeah. Conservatives are like, no, it shouldn't be. It's like, but why? Why do you want to spend my taxpayer dollars telling somebody else that they can't smoke marijuana when it's legal in like half these states or whatever it is? Like, right. it just doesn't make sense to me that then we get guns. Yeah. Right? And then it flips. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. Then it flips. It's like, the liberals are trying so hard, or at least a section of liberal America is trying so hard to take our Second Amendment right. Right? No, no, they're, no, no. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's coming no. after your guns, yeah, man. Nobody, right? And they're trying so hard. And yeah. it's like, can you guys just leave us the fuck alone? Like, leave, like leave us all alone. Can you, you, you can, you can keep your marijuana. Can we keep our guns? Can we go come to the table yeah, and just get, negotiate broker that. a deal? You know, like <laughs> keep your mind, keep your body. We get to keep our guns. Can we all be cool? You guys can marry, you know, anybody you want. Keep your marijuana. Uh, I don't know all the other things that you well, might want to do. There's an infinite number of there's things. There's an infinite. Yes, of course. A, but hey, just don't mess with my just guns. don't mess with me. Well, the other thing is, you know, like, so I, I kind of fall on both sides of this conversation a lot of times because it's like freedom, freedom of speech. Yeah. Hot topic right now. I tend to agree with the ACLU's cir- circumstance or at least their position, which mm-hmm. is free speech needs to be protected, protected. at all points. Sure. So it doesn't matter you know, free speech is not uh, a government buffet where they get to decide what you're going to eat. Right. It's like, no. Yeah, this is free. This is not. This, this is, is free. No. This is not. All of it is. Even if you're uncomfortable with it. People say some crazy shit. I'm like, I don't agree with that. In fact, yeah, that's bad. Super but bad. But still, you should be able to say, unless you're inciting violence or actively threatening, so that's different. So but, that's, right. that's threat and intimidation. Exactly. But ideas, you know, with with the First Amendment and the Second Amendment, obviously our Bill of Rights, when we look at these things, we look at how important it is to maintain, 
individual sovereignty, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and looking for those opportunities to regain, you know, our, our liberty ultimately, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, the second amendment and the first amendment both, and then you can't just press mute. It doesn't work that way. And when you're trying to silence and subjugate a certain section of our society, which ultimately I think the government should have nothing to do with. I think it's a super bad idea if we keep asking our government officials to make decisions because it's a one one size fits all 50 state solution, which is just going to be a really ill-fitting shoe at the end of the day. But I, see, I, the thing I don't understand is I don't, I don't understand how so many people believe that the government, which is comprised of flawed individuals just sure. like ourselves, yeah. will somehow rise above the temptations and the nasty and horrible things that we as humans, you know, individuals do that somehow the government will be above that, that they'll be able to be virtuous. It's like, no, like there's no, (laughs) that's a collection of people that are just as flawed as you and me. And, and with that power, they are going to exercise that power against you. And you know what, when it falls in your favor, you're going to be really excited. When it's used against you and it will be used against you, you're going to be pretty upset that you allowed that to happen. The government isn't virtuous just because it's the government. It's comprised of people. And some of those people are corrupt and nasty. Others are not. But it's people. It's people and it's systems and it's bureaucratic and it's flawed. And it's so when you when you know that about the system, Mm -hmm. right? why do you keep going back to the system? It's like the system isn't perfect. It's not a, it's not a perfect solution for everybody. And it's been so interesting for me to hear these conversations over the last couple of years, because, you know, you'll have, uh, well, for instance, just like kind of retracing it, but you know, you had the left that was anti-war, 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 right? Unless, it's a Democrat in office. And then they're like, pro-war, pro-war, right. pro-war. And then it's the we'll Republicans in that. office. Then it's like, it's, it, and then the Republican, you know, in Trump's circumstance, he's saying, we got to pull our troops right. back. We got to have, a, oh, but now we're pro, <laughs> pro-war because really what matters is they're anti-president or party. Or party. Right. And so they're showing their cards. Yes. So they're all showing their cards. And as, as American citizens, we should all be paying attention going, dude, they're just showing their cards. Yeah. They're showing us what they're all about. Right. Like they're voting uniformly in lockstep with their party. George they're, Washington, have you have you ever read his farewell address? I haven't. You should go through his farewell address because he, he warns of things. And one of his biggest warnings is the two-party system being pitted against each other and used against each other. So as the first president of the United States, he said, this will happen. Like right. He predicted the two-party system and what it would eventually do to itself. Really? Yeah, it's really interesting. Well, that's... I'll have to go back and read that. I'm, yeah, I'm read actually it. reading his biography right now. Yeah, um, fascinating. It's a honestly, fascinating individual. Yeah, for sure. And... And as I start to look at kind of politics today and I've been flashing back, I just I went through Alexander Hamilton and Benjamin Franklin, yeah. George Washington, uh, Adams, and just the founding fathers. And I think it's it's important for people to, especially me, I don't know if everybody who care, you know, just me. It's, yeah. Uh, just to kind of calibrate the conversation too, because 
like politics, even in as George Washington was going through his second term, he was being mud sucked mm-hmm. and you know, hit below the belt by oh, yeah. newspapers and guys within his own administration. And like he was just being mud sucked. And it was wearing him out. Like it wore, yeah. it wore him out ultimately, physically, emotionally. Physically, emotionally yeah, he was beat down. He was beat down. And I thought about that because politics hasn't changed, right? It, it's it really has worse. It's, I mean, it's, it's, at the root, I think it's the same, but it's, it's worse because it's easier to get after people. Well, and if you have a blue check mark, that means you know something. Right. Which is, uh, that's just flawed. Of course. Right? So it's like, what does Cardi B really have to tell us about poli- politics in America? Well, which the other is, thing is who gave, who gave, again, this goes to people. Who gave the person the blue check? Another yeah. person. Yeah, another person. That is flawed and has bias and isn't smart. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's like some person in a cubicle in Silicon Valley, like pressing buttons right. because they have a news story that links to this. Yes. And yeah, exactly. they meet the criteria. Now you have a blue check mark mm-hmm. or you made an album of some sort or it, it doesn't mean the person has any any substance or experience that they can admittedly interject into a conversation mm-hmm. with, with any, with any real substance. Right. Like there's no substantive argument that they, they can interject and say things that make any sense. And when we look at the national conversation, just in general, I, I, I have a hard time kind of listening to, to some of these people, especially if they're political pundits or even people that are talking yeah. about politics or anything business related, like what is this person's background? How yeah. can they weigh in on this and have any justification for the information they're putting out unless I know the person? I think that's why podcasts are so incredible because like, I know you, I right. know Jocko, right. I know sitting down, I know these guys mm-hmm. and I know their experience. I know their personal experience. And I know that if you say something, I'm going to listen. Sure. Oh yeah. Some credibility there. Good point. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think we, I think we tend to look for the path of least resistance. So I'll give you an example. I was, as I was flying out here, I got off the plane and I saw this young couple in front of me. They were on the plane with me. They were a couple rows ahead of me and I had to go to baggage claim. Right. So I'm walking down the thing and I realized, I don't know why it hit me, but I realized I wasn't looking at signs of where the baggage claim was. I was following them. And it hit, it was weird. It hit me all of a sudden. I'm like, why the hell am I following them? Right. Well, I'm following them because they look like they know where they're going and they clearly knew where they were going. And they were on the plane with me. Right. So like, I'll just follow them. Just following them. And then I realized before I, or as I came to this conclusion that they were leaving and they didn't have to go to the baggage claim because <laughs> they were, you know, they didn't have any check bags or whatever. Right. I'm like, that's what we do. Yeah. We follow these people because we think they know, or, you know, they, they, maybe they're credible in one area of life. And so we just assume that because they're a good singer or a good football player that now they know politics and now, and we just follow them blindly and they're not even going to the baggage claim. <laughs> yeah. They're not, they're not going to the same spot. Exactly. You are. Yeah. It's like, what we, you know, if we follow a sports star or, you know, a NASCAR driver or a musician, there's truly, depending on, on, on the circumstance, they might not have anything of substance they have to say. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if I have anything of substance that people would ever want to listen to either, but at the end of the day... No, you do. I think you... So 
but you recognize it too, I think, is like you speak in your lane, right? And that's not to say that you can't have opinions about other things, but when it comes to business, clearly you have some things to share about business because you're running a successful business. But it's you get into problems when, and I'll have people, when I was in the financial planning industry, I had people, you know, I'd sit down with them and talk with them, a young couple, for example, and we'd, we'd work through their strategies and, you know, I was educated to talk about this stuff. Right. And they'd say, oh, well, you know, I really want to go talk with my folks. I'm like, well, tell me about your folks. Oh, they're broke. Yeah. Or they're up to uh, their eyeballs in debt. Why the hell do you want to talk with them about that? <laughs> right. what, what are they going to tell you? Right. They're going to tell you how to get into debt because mm-hmm. that's all they know. So I think it's okay to recognize what we're good at and acknowledge it. And then also say, you know, like, I don't know anything about that. I recognize it in the sense of, I, I think we have such a short time frame and on, on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. And human beings are, are, are we, we, you know, stretch it out. We get a hundred years here, right? Well, it's a small blip compared to the overall time frame of this thing spinning around. Mm-hmm. And there's only so much you can collect. I mean, in this, this gray matter up here. Sure. And then you have all these different emotions, whether it's ego or, you know, um, whatever types of drive that you're going to plug into this. There's only so much of substance you can truly, truly commit and then contribute. Mm-hmm. And, um, for me, I, I don't think that I have a, 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 a lot to contribute necessarily other mm. than saying, uh, this is my thought. Maybe that will inspire somebody else to think a little bit more or go, boy, that's really stupid. I should, <laughs> I'm not going to do <laughs> I'm that. I'm not going to think that way. That's dumb. <laughs> right. It's dumb as shit. And, you know, I think as a group of guys, as we kind of float around here in this ecosystem, and this is one of the things I love about like you and Andy Stump and all these other guys that I know in the podcasting world, because we just throw out, you're much better at it. And I'm not, I'm not saying that in the, in a, you know, like, like, Oh my God, you're so, so good. You can, do that like that. You're, you can do it like that. You're, you're better <laughs> at it. You are, this is, this is your, you know, I, I think this is part of your calling in this context is you're better at formatting information, really getting to the point. And I I enjoy listening to other people discuss different ideas right, different and ideas. topics. And I don't I, I don't even like listening to myself. I think that's kind of natural for a lot of people. But if it's experience-based knowledge that people want to know about, like I know a few things, right? Sure, like, yeah. I know how to, you know, be a fairly competent, you know, gunfighter at the end of the day. It's mm-hmm. still not perishable skill, how to lead and manage a, a couple people in order to solve problems. And I know how to like, um, curate responsibility among like a family, uh, a family unit. So my, mm-hmm. my kids and my wife don't ultimately hate me and they might be good productive people, right? Might grow into something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, like you, you, when you listen or read guys that are truly impactful in what they do, like I'm never going to be Warren Buffett, for mm. instance, right? I'm never going to have the passion that guy has to turn a penny into a dollar. I'm never like, I like building ecosystems and creating these things that are interesting to me. And ultimately I think beneficial on the second and third order effects of what's happening. Mm. But I, I only have so much mental capacity or intellectual bandwidth, right? And I'm not that smart of a guy at the end of the day. And the reason I say that is like, 
I've talked to really, as you have to, really smart people, and you know when you're just outgunned, when you're oh, like, holy sure. shit. <laughs> like, just, I even get, there's, you know, conversations where you just get intimidated because you're like, this guy's, and you just nod your head. You're like, I don't know what you're saying right now, but okay. Your, sounds your, draw, right. your jaw just kind of draw. <laughs> it sounds right to me. Uh-huh. You're good. Good noises make pretty stuff, you yeah. know? And you're like, yeah, that's cool, man. Like, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I get it. And, and that's the thing, like, which for me, if I'm going to turn the conversation back on you now, which is, you know, we started roughly in, in the similar the time. Yeah. couple, couple months yeah. of one another. So when you started it, is this where you saw yourself? And no, 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 I, um, so I was doing the financial planning practice stuff and I just, I just wanted to have conversations with guys I thought could help me be a better dad and business owner. Right. Like legit. That's why I started. Cause I'm like, I don't really know how to be a father or husband. The business was doing fairly well, my financial planning practice, but I'm like, I'd like to blow this up and really grow right. it better. And I could get one-on-one coaching if I do a podcast. Cause I had another podcast before this one. What was it? It was called wealth anatomy. So okay. it was teaching financial services to medical professionals. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I did. I'm like, man, I could do a podcast like I've been doing, but I could talk about, you know, how to be a better man. Right. And I could get free one-on-one coaching from these guys. <laughs> That's it. And in exchange, sharp, yeah. and in exchange, I would just publish it to the five people that would listen. Right. And then I did my first podcast and it blew up. Blew what, up. Number one. And the first podcast. Seriously? It did more downloads than the entire podcasting of Wealth Anatomy had done for what was you know, it? 20 episodes. What was your first episode? Uh, it was like, why I'm doing this. Right. You know, why, why I think being a man's important, some mm-hmm. things that we're going to cover and talk about, some things that I wanted to explore and get better at. And we were off to the races, man. So I just did it as a, a side thing. And then I realized pretty quickly because of that, like how valuable it was. Right. So I started talking more and more about this stuff and doing more podcasts. And my wife came to me one day and she's like, Hey, um, like you seem really happy with what you're doing and like you're fulfilled and you like it, but you're not doing as much financial planning and you're not making any money doing this. Right. So you should probably think about your priorities or find a way to make money. And I, I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to quit doing this. So yeah, I think it was eight months into it and we started a course. And I remember the first guy that signed up for it. My thought was, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot. I was like, this guy doesn't know. I still have that email. He's actually a friend of mine still. And I still have the email that I sent to him. It was like, hey, thanks. Like now there's two of us doing this thing. This is cool. Right. And yeah, so that was, I think that was seven or eight months after I started. And that for me was like a light bulb moment that I could add value to people's lives in exchange for value, right? Right. Monetary transactions uh, online with mm-hmm. people that I had never even met. Right. That wasn't even like a thing that I knew existed. Well, I knew it existed, but I didn't think I could create it for myself. So when you when you kind of sat down and you put pencil to paper on this, did you write out your business plan? No. No. I'm not. Yeah. I've never been like that. Really? Yeah. It's like, that sounds good. Let's try it. Right. And then I'll figure it out along the way. Yeah. I mean, I know there's way more efficient ways to do it. I don't know if I just don't have the patience um, or I get bored really quickly, maybe. I'm like, I don't know. Let's just try it. And if I like it, then we'll adjust those. And if I don't, then I haven't put a bunch of time and effort into it. And then I can pivot right. it real quick. So I still, I don't have a, I still don't have a business plan. I still haven't sat. I don't know if I ever will like sit down and like really hash that stuff out. Yeah. I don't think that's a, I think it's, 
it works conceptually like in universities and a few places. But yeah. ultimately, you got to test stuff and figure out if it works. Well, and then know? who's... I mean, the thing I always say is, I don't even know what I'm going to have for dinner tonight. Let alone, <laughs> right? let alone what opportunities could present themselves. You know, six years ago, podcasting, I wouldn't have thought about that. Yeah. Um, or, you know, doing live events or, or even consider would have any, anybody have predicted COVID and how that would impact people's lives negatively and, and frankly, some people's positively. Right. You wouldn't have predicted it. And if you had this like stringent thing, like I'm going to do one, two, three, four, five through a hundred. And, you know, on this date, I'm going to get item number 50 done. I just think you handcuff yourself to opportunities. And you even said it as we were talking earlier is like life's short. Like we don't have a whole lot of time or bandwidth. So I want to pursue things that are interesting to me. And if next year order of man, isn't it, it might not be, I don't know. I don't have any plans, but there might be something else. I'm like, I'm going to do that now. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's one thing for me too, is I I know I've got a short time here. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, we don't know tomorrow we could roll out of bed and like, Oh man, I got a pain in my side and then pancreatic cancer, you're dead, you know, two days later or whatever it is. And I, I was trying, trying to explain that to my wife. I'm like, I'm a very impatient person, mm-hmm. right? So I'm trying to get it all in before I leave. You know, I've got to get it all in. You know, I got to yeah. love everybody. I got to create some positivity. Yeah, I gotta, have I gotta, some fun. Have some fun. And, uh, but the the bang for the buck and the couple of questions I want to run by you was like, when you're looking at kind of where you you came from and mm-hmm. where this is now, what's your azimuth? Like what, what is it that's pointing you in the direction that when you roll out of bed, so, yeah. what's kicking you in your ass? So for me personally, just, I'll talk about personally and professionally, mm-hmm. but personally it's, and I know it sounds trite, like it's just to be the maximum version of myself. Mm-hmm. So how do I get better? How do I, how do I make myself more capable? How do I learn new skills that, may or may not be applicable down the road? How do I communicate more effectively? How do I better teach and train and coach my children so that they'll be able to go out and have the life that took me, I think, longer than maybe it should have if I would have had some of this guidance? Um, how do I make sure that my wife knows that that I love her and that I'm committed to her? Like, So I, I just want to put all of that into action. Mm-hmm. That's what drives me. And so I'll ask myself, is this helping? Is this is being out here and this is hard. This is actually, frankly, for me to be away from my family, I don't particularly enjoy traveling without them. So I have to wrestle with that. It's like the balance between being out here and pursuing things like, is this conversation making me a better person? Yeah, absolutely. But that's a question I ask myself all the time. Right. And then I have that as a litmus test to say, no, that's actually not helping me better, be a better person. Right. So I'm not going to do that anymore. But professionally, it's to help guys do the same. Mm-hmm. You know, to have some confidence, um, to have some meaning and, and purpose in their life. And I used to see a lot of young, young and old men who don't have any purpose. Yeah. Like they're, they're rudderless. Mm-hmm. They've got the energy, they've got the desire, but they just don't know how to channel it. It's like, just take that and focus on this. And so that's what we're doing. You know, we're giving those guys the, the fuel and the channel to, to be able to maximize their lives and have some of that meaning and significance. Which is, this will be a strange question, right? Which is, what, what is it though? Like when you say meaning and you're trying to dive into the meaning of what does it mean to be a man? Yeah. 
Yeah. So for me, so I've, I've, I've obviously I've thought a lot about this. So I talk about in the context of, you know, my three sons, I have three sons and a daughter and my three sons are, are boys. They're males, but they're boys. They're not expected to be men. Right. So what's the difference, right? Obviously age, right? But really it comes down to responsibility and accountability. They have none. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to do their dishes at sure. night and they, uh, you know, if they do something they shouldn't be doing, there's some discipline and some right. accountability that comes with that. Sure. But they're not responsible and accountable for themselves. Like right. I am. Mm-hmm. So when they start to make that switch from young man to man, what's the difference? The difference is now they're responsible and accountable, not only for themselves, but for other people. Right. That's why you have 40 year old men, boys, males, we'll call them, right. who are in mommy and daddy's basement, no accountability, no responsibility, no bills, no mortgage, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And they're playing video games and waiting for the latest PS5 or whatever it is they're on now, what version they're on. Right. That's, that's not a man. Right. That's a male. That's an adult male, but certainly not a man. Right. And then from there, and this goes back to my azimuth, like you said, is to be a better protector, provider, and presider. Those, that's my three core tenets of mm-hmm. not only my personal life, but masculinity. Protect, and this is for yourself and people, protect, provide, preside, which is synonymous with lead. Mm-hmm. That's what it means to be a man. And so when you sat down a few years ago, were you looking at... Were you looking at yourself saying, this is who I want to be so yes. I can identify my, my yes. strengths and weaknesses? It was never, this in. is who I am. Got it. Right. If, if, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it I'm... It was never that. Right. I've never want... Because people will say every once in a while, they'll say, well, what makes you the authority on blah, blah, blah. Right. Not, no one. I, I'm not the authority. I'm on the path. Right. I'm trying to figure it out. So the only thing that... And I tell people this. The only thing that qualifies me to do this work is that I'm a man mm-hmm. and... I'm passionate about it. Like mm-hmm. I want to learn. I want to grow. Right. Like, if I wasn't interested in learning about this stuff, I wouldn't have interviewed now, I think over 350 men. Yeah. Like I'm in this thing. Yeah. Cause I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to get better. So yeah, it's never been about me being like the authority and all the followers who are following me and what I, my directives. Right. It's like, let's, do this together and I'm going to be out ahead of you on some things. And some of you are going to be out ahead of me and I'll turn to you for advice, but we'll do it shoulder to shoulder. Right. I think that's why people resonate with it. We were talking about yeah. it. There's other, there's other movements out there that are ego driven where it's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm doing this to prop myself up and then I'm going to have these followers and they're going to push me up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's nice. That feels sure. good, you know, but that's not me. Like I, I want to do it together. Like I, I, I want to grow together. I want to lead. I want to follow when I need to follow. Like that's how I see it working better. And what have been the big surprises in the last few years that you've, you kind of entered in one space, you're making this transition away from financial advisory. And then you, you started on this path and you have to hit some places where you're like, wow, I did not, did not expect this road to take me here. So I had this, um, he's a friend of mine and we met when I was a financial advisor and he was a, uh, he was a coach for one of the uh, planning tools that we use. So he would come to our agency uh, and he would coach, you know, the 20 of us there and he would teach us how to use this tool effectively for our clients. Right. And I remember sitting in the office with him and, and him going through his thing. And years later, he reached out to me. He's like, Hey man, I don't know if you remember me. I was one of your instructors for this thing. I said, yeah, I remember you. And he said something very interesting to me. And it, at first I was like, taken back. I was almost like insulted a little. Mm -hmm. And then I thought about it more. I'm like, no, it's actually really cool. He said, 
I would have never guessed that you, he's like, I remember watching you in one of those sessions and I would have never guessed that you would do what you're doing right now. And I said, well, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, you just seem like an average guy, like no excitement, no enthusiasm. Like you were there, you were present, but like, you didn't seem like you were excelling or a superstar. And so that's why I felt like insulted at first. <laughs> right. And I was like, no, actually that's, that's cool because that's every man. Mm-hmm. Every man that I've ever like talked with doesn't feel special. Right. And yet you can take like me, I don't feel special. I feel like, like he said, I feel pretty like a pretty average guy. And then to think about what we've created, when I get emails and messages from guys who are like, Hey, I, I saved my marriage or I lost 50 pounds or I just started my business or I secured a promotion or I asked that woman on a date. Right. Like I helped you do that. That's, that's rewarding. That's super fulfilling for me. Yeah, I could see that. And it's weird. It, not weird, but it's interesting because I've seen you kind of move into a different form too. When you guys made the move to Maine, yeah. it was like, ah, oh man, it seems like you're you're hitting a... a yeah. uh, it seems like you're hitting a really good personal and professional stride. That that to me seemed like a really yeah, that's a good... good point. I feel like that. Like I feel like I... Like maybe for the first time in my life, feel like I know where I'm supposed to be and where mm-hmm. I'm supposed to go. And, you know, I see a lot of these people on Instagram and and other podcasts I follow and they're all about business. And I think that's great. I'm a businessman. I like business. Um, But I don't see enough, I don't see enough people talking about leading their families Mm -hmm. and, and how often they're there and, and the autonomy they have to be able to take them on a vacation or take your son on a hunt or go to your daughter's dance recital or coach your kids' team, you know? And so like, one of the things we're doing right now is we're building a canoe Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I wouldn't have never done that before, but now I'm like, why not? And I think that right. comes with a level of confidence of just putting myself out there enough, feeling feeling good about the growth and progression I've had that you kind of step into your own a little bit. And so I feel like if finally to a degree, it sounds so lame, but figured out like who I am, you know? Yeah. That's how I feel. Like, and I've always felt like awkward. Like that, ah, that's not me. Even as a financial advisor, I'm like, and I've got a buddy that I got into the business with and we talk every once in a while and uh, we got in the business at the same time. And he'll tell you, I told him for years, I'm like, man, I'm not going to be doing this forever. Like I'm meant to do something different for right. like, something more. And he's like, really what? I'm like, I don't know. I just know it's not this. And to turn around and look about those conversations we had and to see how far we've come is pretty amazing. Yeah. Was that like, was that a, intellectual, <laughs> spiritual thing? What, what, that how feeling? You, yeah, yeah. Spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just spiritual. It's just, I can't even describe it. I just felt like, I felt insignificant where I was. Right. But my performance was pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I still felt shallow and hollow and empty. So I'm like, well, I'm making multiple six figures with a business. Um, I've got this beautiful family. We've got a couple of different properties. Like, like on the outside, things are awesome, man. And, and people hear that and they think, well, I want that. Right. I didn't want that. I mean, I wanted that, but like something was missing. Well, that, that's an interesting point because people, I see this a lot and I don't know if you see the same thing, but I see a lot of people that are pursuing um, a templated Mm-hmm. life that yeah. they think will ultimately lead them to fulfillment and happiness. And they're looking at other people and they're kind of conforming to that saying, okay, yeah. I got it all. Right. Why am I still unhappy? Right. And you're chasing other people's dreams. 
Right. Like I follow this guy on Instagram and I've reached out to him. His name's Trent Presler, I think is how you pronounce his last name, just because of the canoe that I'm building. Mm -hmm. And the guy builds canoes. Like that's his job. That's his life. That's what he does. He builds these big, beautiful canoes. And I'm like, that's rad. Like that guy builds, I don't know, maybe 20, maybe not even 20 canoes a year. Right. And people pay him a lot of money to do it, but he's doing his passion. He's very excited. He's very artistic, but he's analytical about the way that he approaches it and very scientific, but artistic. And I'm like, man, that's, that's his avenue. He seems like yeah. he's in his zone. Right. And then you have Jordan Peterson, who we were talking about right. earlier. That's his zone and you and Ro- and like all these guys that we follow. And there's no, you have to do it this way. Right. And I think that's the old way of doing it. But the new way of doing it is whatever way you want. Yeah. That's the cool thing about the culture that we've created is that we can do it however we want and you can be successful. But I think you have to find that balance. Like if you're just pursuing the career, the money or whatever, I mean, you'll get it. You know, you will, but it's not, it's going to be hot. Like it's, if you don't have anybody to share it with, you're not doing cool things or like, or, or, or flexing that creative muscle. Like you're going to feel shallow. Yeah. And that's, that's the, that's the question, which is when you left your previous profession and, and mm-hmm. stepped off into the abyss ultimately yeah. is what you did. Right. You, cause there is no safety net in no. business. There well, is no safety net. I walked away net. from a multiple six figure residual income. Right. <laughs> like I'm, I'm out. And how break, hard, how was hard, hard was that? It was like, super hard. Yeah. I, I delayed it longer than I should have because it was scary. Yeah. But I remember getting this phone call from one of my clients and I remember looking at my phone and I just went, not because of the client, but because I just didn't want to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm like, really? Got to talk about the stock market again? Right. And so at that point, I'm like, all right, I got to come up with a plan to get out of this. And I'd already been doing order man at the time, mm-hmm. but I'm like, okay, yeah, I need to ramp this up. I need to turn right. this into a business. And so now that you've done that, you look back on yourself mm-hmm. and like you said, I should have left this earlier Way earlier because you find yourself happier now than you were, or is it more of not I don't necessarily like, a I don't happiness? Like, I don't like that, that word in this I don't context, either, but it's just the, no, the, I know. I, I want to try to bring some, some edges to that. Cause people will say like, I just want to be happy. And when I hear happy, I just think like blissfully, you know, like skipping through the forest and all the birds are chirping and, you know. like some freshman college bullshit where they're just like, oh, like we used to joke around last night. It's like, follow your passions and work another day in your life. It's like, hey, I can read Pinterest memes too, man. Yeah. So I don't want to be happy. Like there's days where, well, there's a lot of days where I'm not, like I'm actually not a happy person. Right. Um. But there isn't a day that goes by now that I'm not fulfilled. And I I think that's what I'm after. And so I think the difference between fulfillment and happiness, and some of you might think, oh, it's just semantics. And maybe it is, but here's how I look at it. Happiness is just blissful ignorance. Yeah. Like everything's fine. The sun's shining. The birds are chirping. Life is good. And okay, good. But what's your challenge? Right. Like, What are you pushing up against? What's pushing up against you? And so what I found with the business order of man and also fatherhood and being a husband it's hard shit. Like it's challenging, but it's also rewarding. It's the challenge that I want. Like that's the challenge I want to face. There's other challenges where I'm like, I don't want to do like you went running this morning and I'm like, I don't want to run because like it would be challenging for sure, but I don't want to do that. You know? So 
I think you got to find something that, and and this is what I've been, I was going to say fortunate. I'm not fortunate because that that's too passive. Mm -hmm. But I found a little bit of interest in something, which was podcasting Mm -hmm. because I was doing it for my business. And I just said, what if I just took one more step into that? Right. And then I took another step and I'm like, okay, this, yeah, that's cool. What if I took one more step and one more step and one more step? And then you take a thousand steps and you look back and see how far you've come. So I'm not happy, but I'm, but I'm definitely fulfilled. Yeah. And that, and that's the interesting word. And you and I have talked for the last day on fulfillment, Mm -hmm. happiness, and a few of these things. And people get those things really confused, right? They, they, they get, because we're putting words to ultimately, you know, emotions that could be combined with physicality, intellectual capacity and long-term goal setting. And like, oh, it's so complex, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the human behavior in mind, it's so complex. But when you look at fulfillment itself as a word, define that in your words for, for you. Fulfillment to me is finding a meaningful challenge and making yourself capable of dealing with it. Mm-hmm. That makes you right because now yeah. okay, I got this challenge, and and yeah, it's hard, and yeah, it sucks at times, and that's another thing that people think they think, oh, if I'm on the the right path, everything will be perfect. Yeah, because like no, there's gonna be some real shitty days. Yeah, I have days like that. I'm like, God, this I don't want to deal with this. I gotta like I have to deal with this. Thing. But it's the fulfillment because it's a meaningful challenge. And I'm like, okay, well, what do I need to do? You talk about problem solving earlier. What do I need to do to be able to be capable of dealing with that thing? Mm-hmm. And there's days where I'm incapable of dealing with something I might address right. in the business. But that's pretty cool because tomorrow or in a week or a month or whatever, when I learn that new skill, now I'm capable. I remember yeah. even, even uh, if we're talking about money, for mm-hmm. example, in the business, the first the second year of order of man, we made a lot of money, Mm -hmm. like more than I'd ever made in my life. And I got on the phone with my accountant and he's like, well, here's your tax bill. And I hadn't paid quarterly or any of that. And I'm Mm -hmm. a financial advisor. (laughs) right? And I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. I'm like, what do I need to do? And he's like, well, you need to pay it. And then here's what you need to do. The next year I did the quarterlies. We did the estimates. We, Everything was fine at the end of the year. Right. I'm like, good. Now I'm capable of dealing with that. And the thing about it is you don't get to graduate until you learn the lesson. Right. So people will keep saying, people say this all the time. Oh, you know, bad stuff keeps happening to me. And I, this thing keeps happening and coming up. It's like, yeah, because you haven't learned the lesson. Right. Like, make yourself capable of dealing with that. And other people will say, well, I just, I, you know, if I didn't have any problems, like, no, you, you shouldn't try to make your problems go away. You should be elevating your problems. Like today mm-hmm. you should be dealing with better, more complicated, more complex, more rewarding problems than you did yesterday. Right. If, if your problems don't go away, they just get better. Yeah. Like these are better problems. Like you worrying at, worrying about uh, fulfilling payroll with 400 plus employees, that's a better problem than paying your mortgage. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. if harder, you can solve that 440, your mortgage just becomes like a... Exactly. You're so far in the rearview mirror, you're like, I don't fucking know. And that's what you should be doing. How Mm -hmm. do I create, not create, but how do I solve better problems for myself? Yeah, I think people, they often get those things confused. In the, in, you know, the men that I talk to, and 
we talk about these these things like fulfillment, mm-hmm. you know, or fulfillment goals, objectives, mm-hmm. spirituality, uh, a wide variety of really complex things. And people, you touched on it, which is they confuse fulfillment with happiness. Yes, and happiness with. Uh, ignorance and ultimately complacency because mm-hmm. they're just kind of like they think doing nothing is going to make them happy mm-hmm. and i'm like no 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 like you're so far off yeah you're you need to put yourself back on this map sheet right. because you're not even on the right quadrant dude like you got to yeah. bury yourself in the work but the analogy i use is if you want to know the difference between the two just go sit on the beach and men have a hard time with this i think just go sit on the beach and just try to sit there for three hours, like in sun <laughs> and suntan. Right? Like there's no man <laughs> in the world who could do that because it's it's horrible. It's horrible. You're, the sun's shining. Yeah. You've got the ocean. The the surf spread. Like it's yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. You're happy, but you're miserable. Yeah. You can't sit there for very long. No. You got to be doing something. So what do you do? You go, you know, you like I always bring a shovel to the beach because I dig a hole and we play king of the hole with my kids. Right. That, okay, meaning. I just Mm -hmm. gave this beautiful surrounding meaning and purpose, connecting with my kids, playing, getting stronger. That's what makes it worth it. But you can't just sit there on the beach forever. We know that. Right. It's miserable. It's miserable. It's but everything's perfect. So (laughs) what are you you upset about? Because there's nothing hard. Mm -hmm. Which... It, it it makes me think. What are the questions that you're fielding from order a man or yeah. whomever, right, on a regular term yeah. that you're like, guys, I've answered this a thousand times, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna. It's a thousand and one. I'm gonna yeah. answer it a thousand. Like, what are what are men asking you? Like, what is it that there's kind of the complexities of those questions? There's, there's one, and it's not really. Uh, I guess it's calm. Man, I don't know. The one question I get all the time is, "How do I build confidence?" Mm. You've got to do something that you didn't think you could do. Right. Period. So like, if you don't think you can run a marathon, then you have to run a marathon. Right. And when you're done with the marathon, you're going to be more confident. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're not confident around women, you actually have to be around attractive women and ask them out. Right. There's no other way around it. And then once you do that enough, you'll develop some level of confidence. It sucks. Cause the answer is like, do the work, like do right. you got to do it. But that's the answer. Like some people just think that other people are confident. It's like, no, like you could be arrogant. Sure. But that's not earned. Confidence is earned. Mm-hmm. So you have to go fight a battle. You have to do something hard. And when you do it and overcome it and make, like I said earlier, make yourself capable of dealing with that obstacle, that's how you develop confidence. But I have other people who ask questions about um, like life decisions, like, I think we talked about this last night where, you know, somebody will reach out and say, Hey, I, I, I've got this job uh, and, you know, I'm away from my family all week and I come home and I spend two days with them. And, um, you know, I just, I don't like the work, but man, I'm making really good money. Right. Uh, but I got this job offer and uh, I'm going to be at home and uh, I, I never have to travel. And it's like really rewarding work. And there's an opportunity for growth and expansion with this cool new company but I'm going to make a little less money. What do you think I should do? Um, and, I, and I said this last night. I'm like, well, okay. Are you going to be able to make the bills with your new right. job? 
oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll be fine. What, what's the question? Right. And I tell these guys, just fast forward 20 years. Fast forward 20 years. Look back. Looking back 20 years, which decision will you be happy you made? And it's always the spend time with your family, of course. Yeah. Pursue the meaningful opportunity that could present itself and make a few less bucks. But that's a question I get all the time. It's frustrating because they already know the answer, but they yeah. want somebody to validate. Either, well, they want one of two things. They want somebody to validate not doing it because that's easier. Like it's always easier. When we moved to Maine, uh, which was about a year and a half ago from Utah, it would have been easier not to move to Maine. Right. Like significantly easier not to do yes. that. And yet we made that decision because we knew it would be, a, it would represent a good opportunity and, and uh, adventure for us. Mm-hmm. So there, so people are either, when they ask questions like that, they're either looking for like, it's okay. You don't have to do that. And then they can retreat, retreat mm-hmm. and slink back into the corner or they're looking for permission. Like, you don't need my permission to tell you like you should take that other job. Right. Like, be a man, be assertive. This is your life. Mm-hmm. What are you asking me for? And and by the way, I don't have to live with the consequences of your choices. <laughs> right. So if the advice that I give you is shit, you still have to live with it, not me. So make the decision. It's hard because that's, you know, people want, they want that validation. Yeah, I get the same question. I literally, I, we were talking about it yesterday, twice a week, once a day, I don't even know, to be honest with you, the people DM and be like, oh, but I got this great opportunity. I'm like, well, what what is the question right. ultimately? And it's, it's kind of like, I want to say, guys, like, you don't need to hire me as your Instagram direct message consultant and right. tell you what you already know. Right. Like, just do it. Yeah. And... The fear, right? So I, I see that in a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? the fear of failure mm-hmm. or the feel, the fear of not being accepted socially or something like that because you're stepping outside of a norm. And I don't know, my question in that is, do you see fear as a obstacle for a big portion of oh, yeah. the people that... And are you teaching mis- people Yeah, how? we talk a lot about that. I mean, it's fear... For the most part is misplaced. So what you ha- I think what you have to do when you when you identify some sort of hesitation welling up inside of you, and there always mm-hmm. is, like whether you're going to start a business or you know move to Maine or right. you know whatever, you're always going to have something where you're hesitant. And you're like, oh, I don't know, if this is right. So your your mind cannot distinguish between it, whether when it comes to fear, it cannot distinguish between something that's going to put you in an uncomfortable situation and something that's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Like you're bought physiologically, you react the same way, which is to fight or flight, right? right? So I'm facing this decision. Let's just take the example of moving your family across the country. I'm faced with this decision and physiologically, everything about me is telling me like, this is dangerous. Don't do this. What, you know, what about your income and it's going to cost a lot of money. And then what, you know, I had things like, what if somebody gets hurt and they wouldn't have got hurt if you didn't move to Maine? Like, right. like all kinds of weird shit going on in my head about why we shouldn't do this. And it's my, it's my body's defense mechanism to keep me safe, to keep me alive. Yeah. It's what our ancestors dealt with 10,000 years ago. It's the same right. thing. And so what we need to do now, because we're not going to be chased by saber tooth tiger and have to deal with the same, you know, uh, feast or famine, like you're not mm-hmm. gonna have to deal with that. So you have to ask yourself when you have this level of hesitancy, is this going to make me uncomfortable or is this going to kill me? Right. Because if you're afraid, like it could actually, it could be warranted. If you're standing on the cliff, like the edge of a cliff 
and your body said, hey, you probably should step away. That's probably a good time to listen and step right. away from the cliff. <laughs> right. But if it's like, hey, you're going to take this new job, but you're uncomfortable because there's a lot of uncertainty and doubt, that's not going to kill you. Right. It's just going to make you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And we know that when you're uncomfortable and when you push through, you develop confidence like we talked about earlier. And you give yourself opportunities that would not have been present before. You know, the other thing I do is play out worst case scenarios. So let's take Maine yeah. again. So, all right. So we get to Maine and we spend, you know, I sold my business. I was already on a buyout option, but we, I just said, you know what? I want to, I, the guy that I was telling you about earlier, I actually sold it to him. Okay. So it was kind of nice because I had like right. a built-in buyer yeah. and I, he had a built-in buyer on me. It just didn't work out like that. Right. Because right. I didn't want to stay in. Um, so, so I sold, I, I, I called him up and me, Hey, I just want to, do away with this. Like he had payments that I said, Nope, I want a lump sum. I'll discount it for you. Just pay it out or mm -hmm. buy it out. He's like done. So we did that. So that was a risk because mm -hmm. I walked away for more money because right. I did it that way. Yeah. Um, and then all my, you know, my wife's third generation born and raised, we bought the house that her grandfather had built. Her parents were, had a wedding reception there. Her brother had a wedding reception there. Her and I had our wedding reception there. We walked away. I mean, we, we still own the house, but we left that house. Right. Um, we spent money on moving and everything else. So there was a lot of risk that went mm -hmm. with it. And we got out there. And I remember for the first week, I was like, "Hon, I don't know if we did the right thing. <laughs> I remember looking, walk around the field like, I don't know. How do you, she's like, I don't know either. <laughs> but then I played it out. I'm like, all right, well, what's the worst case scenario? So we're out some money, definitely. And we're cold for two years. And we don't have any friends for two years. Like right. I'm just playing out worst case scenario. And then we move home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That doesn't sound so bad. Like we can deal. What's what's the upside potential? Right. Significantly greater than being out, being cold and lonely for a few years. You yeah. know, we had each other still. Right. So we weigh it out, and you be you talked about it. you be realistic with what could potentially come from it, and is the fear really there? Is going to kill you, or just right. make you uncomfortable for a bit? Most of the time, you're just going to be uncomfortable. Cool, deal with it. Yeah, and that level of uncomfort being. Um, excited about the level of uncomfort or that because I, I talk to my wife a lot about this at times where I'm like you have to force these opportunities to to put the family into a team event. Mm -hmm. Like and if we have the team, you know, the the kids, your wife, whomever, and they're all working together in an uncomfortable situation, it starts to galvanize mm -hmm. the relationship. Right? Yeah, definitely. You have to turn inward. You do. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, seeking those opportunities becomes one of those things for me, at least. I have to kind of look at them and go, this will be an interesting exercise for the family. So mm. oftentimes, like, I'll throw a wrench in things where I'm like, hey, let's just go here for a few days, you know? And they're like, what? Mm. I, we're just going to, like, load up the camper and head and out. Go. And we're like, yeah, we're going to figure it out, man. Don't worry about it. Like, we got enough food. We got enough water. Like, those, that, that thing is soft. Mm everything else is going to become a problem that ultimately we're going to be able to solve together and we're going to figure it out. It's not a big deal. Who yeah. cares? No, it's, you know, our birthdays aren't going to fly away because of this whole thing. Right. We might be a little bit cold. Right. You know, we might not have like the exact, you know, snack for the kids or something, but at the end of the day, we're going to get through this. It's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. And so forcing those times and places 
becomes the things that you actually remember and you start to laugh about them too. You're like, oh my gosh, you remember that time? Those we are did the that. things you're like the best memories. You know, yeah. every time I've ever been miserable, whether it was like a scout camp when I was 10 years old or, you know, taking my kids camping, like, mm-hmm. and, and, we, and it rained and the water was under the tent. We didn't bring a tarp. So we got completely, <laughs> right. so we woke up and we had to like ring out our sleeping bags. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we talk about. We don't talk about the show, the last show that we watched on TV or the last movie we watched. We, that's the, that the miserable stuff is what we talk about. And we yeah. talk about it fondly, which is nice that we as human beings have the ability to forget how miserable things actually are. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's super weird too, because when you, when I think back about my childhood and it's never, I, I remember watching Scooby-Doo, of course, mm-hmm. right. But I don't remember the exact episodes or where I was, yeah. or what I was. but I remember you know, sinking to the bottom of my dad's sleeping bag up in the middle of the mountains yeah. to get warm and, you know, trying to to stay out of the rain right. in the, you know, in the tent or, you know, the motorcycle quitting in the middle of nowhere yeah. and, you know, having to hump around, you know, gas cans and helmets and stuff, trying to figure this stuff out. I remember yeah, that stuff. Of course. I, I remember that stuff. My, uh, I don't remember any of the, like... No, you weren't. A couple of years ago, we went, me and my son went on this hunt and we were, um, he shot a pig. We could never recover it, which he was super disappointed because that would have been his first animal. And then we went um, hog dogging. It was here in Texas. What's hog dogging? So you have these dogs and you release these dogs when the pigs bay them up and stab them. Right. And so him and I did this and we were running around all these pits with the guy and, or these like bog swampy areas Mm -hmm. and the four wheeler broke down. We're like three or four miles back from our cabin. Right. So I'm like, well, what do somebody coming out? And they're like, no, we got to walk back. Right. I'm like, okay. So me and my son walked back. He was 10 at the time. Walked back to the cabin. And then we're like, well, let's still go. Like we still want to go. So we chased these dogs over everywhere. They were just all over the place. We had to trespass in this guy's property because the dogs were up there and it was just a crate. And then we ended up finding a pig and killed it. It was just a crazy night. Like everything went wrong. We came back. One of his dogs died. It had a heart attack and died. <laughs> like it was just a miserable, it was miserable. Mm-hmm. And me and my son laugh about that trip all the time. Right. Remember? And like how fun that was. And we laugh about it and joke about it. That's like one of our best memories. And it was miserable. Yeah. But that's what you remember. Yeah. That's because it was meaningful, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's mm-hmm. it, it becomes funnier the longer you get away from it. Yeah. So the 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 next thing is, you know, as you're looking through through your priorities and what you want to do, what's 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 kind of the next evolution with the business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both, both. Yeah. personal and business. Both. Yeah. Um. Well, like personal is easy because it's just finding new things that I want to try that I've always been interested in. Right. And like for the first time in my life, I'm in the place where I have the capacity. I'm talking about time and the financial resources to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that could mean a couple of years ago, we went to my wife and I, speaking of just getting up and going, my wife and I and kids went to Hawaii for three and a half weeks. And it's like, we just went, we stayed in this like bamboo house in the middle of a Hawaiian village. That's it was cool. awesome. Yeah. Rad. It was one of our coolest trips. Um, or, you know, I'm like, I was out at the lake uh, the, last year and I was on a, lifetime, one of those plastic lifetime canoes with the kids mm-hmm. or kayaks. I'm like, wouldn't this be cooler in a canoe that we built? Right. So I bought one. 
and you know, a kit and like yeah, the, yeah. All, the books and all that. So we built it or we're building it. Um, so, so personally it's that, like if I have an interest in something, I've made a commitment to like, I at least owe myself and, and God, that's my belief. owe it to like pursue it to some degree. Right. So that's, that's personally. And I, that could be a thousand different things. I don't know what it'll be, but mm. it'll be something. Um, but professionally, like I'm really trying to figure out how I can get guys together locally and in, in, in local areas. Cause that's what needs to happen. Right. Like we need to get, and that's what we're doing here mm-hmm. this week is we need to get together face to face. We need to do things. We need to have real conversations, not about sports or the Super Bowl or what, like we need to have real conversations and figure out some of this stuff we need to challenge each other. We need to push up against each other. And so developing some, I don't exactly know. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but within the organization, that's the, that's the next evolution is how do we get guys banded together locally, connecting physically face to face and challenging themselves in meaningful ways. We've done a really good job of making it all digital. Now we're going to take it offline and make it available right. for people in the area. That's, I've got a lot of ideas and thoughts about how I'm going to do that, but it's going to be big and it's going to be awesome, but it's going to take a lot of resources to be able to do it. Well, I'm excited, man. Me too. I think it's, I mean, I obviously, you know, we've talked, I I love your podcast. Uh, So those that we're kind of doing a dual show here, I guess we should tell people that we're doing a dual show. So you got to check out Ryan's podcast. Obviously you can tell people where it's at and you know, this is free range American. So, you know, both, both, So order check out Free Range American. Amer- depending yeah. on where you're, you're <laughs> yeah. if you're coming from Order Man, check yeah. out Free Range American. Check out Black Rifle Coffee. These guys are doing awesome things. I always joke like my favorite company that I don't actually use their product because yeah. I don't drink coffee. <laughs> so yeah. I always joke about that. <laughs> but check out Free Range American Black Rifle. And then for those of you who are coming from Free Range American, check out Order of Man. Yeah, Order Man. Yeah, Ryan's doing. I mean, check him out on Instagram. Uh, you know, listen to the podcast. He's got. Uh, what you wrote your book three years ago? Yeah, three years ago, Sovereignty. Yeah, yeah. So, so hopefully, a new book coming out soon in the next year or so. Awesome. Yeah, man. Well, dude, thank you very much. Appreciate it, bro. Oh, we got to do it. that. No, we can do either one. We can. I mean, we're sitting here without a mask, three <laughs> feet away from each other. So, <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thanks a lot, you guys. We appreciate it, and uh, tune in for the next one. Thanks, guys. Thanks.